So that's what I'm saying. The text is like an object. It's gonna change perspective based on where you're standing. I don't know. Hello? Can you hear me? Can you hear me? I missed you, baby sweet. It was a day. Hmm? It was a day. Please tell me you're seeing this too. From Seattle, we are drinking the movies. I'm Taylor Baker. And I'm Michael Clausen. Ready to rock. Mmm, that's good. Oh, hi. Oh, hey, we're drinking a repeat today. What are we drinking? Uh, triple wheat berry? Triple berry wheat? One of the two. Yeah. Either way, it's delicious. One of them. I um, like it. Let's just get straight to business since we've already drank this one before. It's still fruity and delicious, like Fruit Loops, but there's movies to watch and trailers I haven't seen yet. More movies. What do we got? We got Joker or The Dead Don't Die. What do you want to watch first? Let's watch The Joker. Is it just me? Or is it getting crazier out there? Smile. Though your heart is aching. Smile. Even though it's breaking. When there are clouds in the sky. Alright, we just watched the trailer for The Joker. Starring the one, the only, Joaquin Phoenix. What do you think? I don't know. Ooh. I am incredibly open to this film. And I just don't... I'm very interested. I don't know if I like it. But if I don't like it, I'll still... I think appreciate that the film exists. I, I don't know. There, there's... um. What was that movie we watched last year that has a very long name? Ooh, I have... No, uh, Statues. It's a Joaquin Phoenix film. Oh, You Were Never Really Here. You Were Never Really Here. Got it. This reminds me slightly of You Were Never Really Here. And because mm. I did not like that film at all, I might be leaping to conclusions. Mm. It's very hard. It, it's interesting that this is the director of The Hangover. Right, right. Um, I like the cast. I love seeing Brian Tyree Henry and Zazie Beetz. Um, I, I don't know. I'm enthusiastic that this is made i just don't know if it is for me and you know that's that's what it is how yeah. about you yeah um i think i feel the same way i am most intrigued by the cast um a little uh nervous that it's directed by the director of the hangover i couldn't i don't remember his name but that just doesn't give me that doesn't give me reason to get excited about what he might do with this kind of material i don't know i just got to be open to that i guess just unsure. Um, it's interesting that it looks kind of like a character piece in a way. Um, I just, I am almost wondering, like, will they really be able to, you know, resist going for really big DC moments? Um, I like the idea of this being very character centric. Um, so, yeah, cautiously optimistic, I guess. But um, well, you you bring up that it's Todd Haynes or not Todd Haynes? Shit, now I forget his name. The director? Yeah. But he's the he, it's Todd something. He's the director of The Hangover. Um, it could be Todd Haynes. I can't remember. Um, Todd Phillips. Todd Phillips. And, well, right, we're talking about, like, arguably this generation's greatest comedy trilogy. Mm. So that is an interesting tone to actually go for a comedy with the Joker when we are so used to absurd tragedy Joker, mm. um, kind of in the common dark DC universe. So it, 
it is interesting. Um, the one thing that I think of when I, the one thought that I had of an interview with Joaquin Phoenix while watching this, I think it was an interview he did for like Mary Magdalene. Mm. Um, when he was talking about previous projects and the reason that he signed up for her um, was because he wanted to work on something where he was the center of attention. He mm. loves being the center of attention in artistic pieces where the director is wholly focused on him mm. and um, helping him bring something to life and have just the whole thing be about him. He's very open that he's kind of egomaniacal like that. Mm. And... I love that movie and this seems like a repeat of that egomania so there is room for this to be wonderful in that way yeah I also like it when Joaquin Phoenix is the center of attention so I'm on board with that if uh, Todd Phillips can just sort of allow him to do what he does and almost kind of like not get out of the way but just sort of you know let uh, let him be the the source of the appeal that that could work yeah so it could be kind of like the master. It's hard to tell. Yeah, yeah. There you have it. Let's get on to Jarmouche and some ghouls. The dead don't die. What the hell was it? A wild animal? This is really awful. Maybe the worst thing I've ever seen. What well, was it, wild animals? So what are you thinking? I'm thinking zombies. What? You know, the undead. Ghouls. The Dead Don't Die, Michael. What do you think? I'm very excited. Uh, I love Jarmish. We've talked about a couple Jarmish movies on the show before. Maybe just one, actually. I think we talked about Only Lovers Left Alive. Mm -hmm. Did we talk about one other? Just that one, I think. We, I think um, we talked about many others when we talked about that one. I think that's right. Um, I, I adore Patterson. Um, I like everybody in this movie. I think it looks funny. I think it looks great. Um, what about you? I agree. I mean, you put Carol Kane in zombie makeup, I'm going to show up to the movie, probably. She's undoubtedly one of the best parts of Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which is a show mm. of significantly great um, performances, but Carol Kane is always a standout. Um, she's kind of like Rachel Dratch. Like, every time you see her, you're just like, how is this person not a comedy star? Mm. Um, and, you know, Iggy Pop, Adam Driver, Bill Murray... Chloe Savini in a good movie. Awesome. <laughs> I'm on board. Sold. Yeah. You know, I, I like his kind of uh, pared down style. You know, it's, uh, I, I wouldn't call it low budget. It's just kind of simple. It, you know, it's not showy. Um, I, I just like the kind of everyday, really inviting kind of sensibility. Yeah. I just love his style. It, <laughs> it is interesting. When I think about Jarmouche films, perhaps they have like a similar patina, all of them. Mm, and mm. it's like none of them are going to get worse with age and all of them are always going to kind of hold up oh, in, yeah. a, in a way because of how simplistic they are even yep. though they get up to some far-fetched things or they're just really slow things about a, a poet driving a bus mm -hmm. they're just gonna like i can't imagine in 40 years finding a problem in patterson mm -hmm. or a problem in only lovers left alive yeah, yeah. So we're not going to watch. Exciting. We're not going to rewatch Patterson and go. Oh no, no, no! This doesn't work at all. Exactly. This doesn't make sense, right? Like it's just kind of. Uh, it has strong defenses against that kind of thing. Yes. Um, so yeah, probably very rewatchable. Yeah. Well, um, we'll get to our next title here after I get back. I have to go leave. Um, I'll return. You've got six months. <sighs> Sounds good. Relax. 
Y2K. Your knee bone is exposed. Your flesh is stuck to the seat. And we are talking about relaxer. You just gonna relax, Michael? You just gonna keep sitting there relaxing? With I'm just your, gonna relax a little while longer. With your love for this this horrendous film. Whoa! This piece of trash. Whoa! Harsh words. I really thought after I saw this, I saw this first for our listeners. I really thought, like, oh man, this is gonna be totally Taylor's thing. We're gonna laugh. Then I saw that big one out of five. I was like, oh, this conversation is going a different direction. Hey, I bumped it up to one. I oh, it was it a half. One. Yep. Nice. What gave it the the extra half star? I was just thinking about how anger technically proficient they were with the camera and mm. how overall decent they were with their makeup. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's really just like technical reasons why I gave mm. the film a one and not a zero. Fair enough. Uh... You saw it at the Grand Illusion. Many people there? Uh, probably 12. Oh, okay. Two okay. people were undoubtedly stoned or tripping because they were laughing the whole time. In an obnoxious way, I gather. Obnoxious only to me because I hated the film. Got it. But I, I, I don't think that it was too obnoxious. Like, they were clearly experiencing joy. Got it. They were into it. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I saw it a couple days earlier. I was the only one there, dead at the Grand Illusion, which made me very nervous. I was like, that's just not really how you usually want to experience comedies. You know, usually hearing so laughter. So you think this was a comedy? Oh, for sure. Okay. Oh, yeah. I was I was laughing often and hard throughout this. 100%. No one but those two people were laughing. In I believe screening. it. I believe it. Um so. I, I yeah I do understand that it is divisive for sure, um, and it's macabre. Under agreed, yeah, um, and I think I could completely understand the distaste for it. For for me, it it worked. Um, I really like the uh, frugality of it. Um, I think there's a really massive return on the investment here. I mean, I don't know what the budget is, but like I cannot imagine this costs very much to make. Um, Joshua Burge, the lead actor, I thought it was super funny. Um, the, you know, I, I think people might just find him just too annoying, um, uh, too pathetic. I just find him super funny and, uh, sympathetic at the same time. Um, How is he sympathetic? because uh, the whole, the whole conceit to me is that he can't get off the couch and he also can't stand up for himself. Um, that's sort of like the running gag here for me. Um, he's, you know, yeah, like, dying to impress his brother. I think this gets at something about, you know, the immaturity of people in, you know, that stupid kind of 90s culture of daring each other to do stuff, which you still get sometimes today. Um, and he, you know, doesn't have the backbone to just call it quits and say this is stupid. And that's funny to you. Uh, yeah, it's, okay. yeah, of course. It's the absurdity, right? It's the absurd lengths to which he, the movie goes to show his, uh, uh, willingness to not give up. Yeah. I don't know. I just, I can't get there. Like, yeah, I, I, I see how it. you, I, I see how people can get there. It's just, I, I can't stand that character. I mean, yeah. he sits on the couch for six months without moving. 
Correct. No, I'm never going to like that character. I think this is just one of those films where it's like, it's teed up for me to not be able to get on its wavelength. That's fair. At any point. Not, not there. I could probably count five, like five to ten lines that, uh, that had me laughing. Um, the buddy that comes over and they're putting the t- uh, a video in the VCR to watch, you know, some other guy that infamously got to this level in Pac-Man. And he's staring at the static and he goes, this is actually kind of hypnotic. I thought it was funny. Had me laughing. Um, when the, the pest control guy comes over and is speaking Spanish and uh, Abby, you know, the guy on the couch. Says, is he speaking Spanish or Indian? Maybe Indian. You're right. Another language. Not English. They're not communicating. And he goes, uh, I'm in a challenge right now. Can you come back tomorrow? I thought, I just thought it was funny. I get that it's it's crude. People just might find it stupid. I think the immaturity is kind of the point here. Um, it just drove me insane. It was incredibly abrasive to me. But I, yeah. I definitely... I can even think of a time in my own life where I would have found this to be a comedy. Yeah. So I can't, like... Like, I'm not holier than thou or anything. It's just like... This is one of those movies where two people can have profoundly different experiences. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, I And the reviews it. definitely have reflected that, at least on Letterboxd. Mm. There are numerous two to zero star reviews, and not too many reviews yeah. in the upper echelon, but enough yeah. to go like, huh, there's a clear split here. Yeah, yeah. Um, kind of like Holy Motors, which we'll get to. Yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, I, I completely understand, I think, why people wouldn't like it. I, I, I just I found it, uh, I, I just found it pretty funny. Um, you know, I didn't realize until after I had watched it when I read, just on the Wikipedia page, I don't remember what, like, the source interview was or anything like that, that he was kind of riffing on uh, the Boonwell film, um, The Exterminating Angel. So I watched that last night which is, you know, about these... Uh, it's an incredible film, isn't it? Great movie, yeah. Like, these wealthy socialites inexplicably confined to a room. Mm-hmm. They don't know why the situation devolves. And that is also um, or something that influenced Aronofsky's mother. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And I was, I was thinking, oh, man, how frustrating Taylor would be if I was, like, trying to connect the dots between relaxer and mother <laughs> you, you can connect them it's just one is great and one is terrible it's so good but there's it's still so definitely good. common themes and <laughs> water spurting out and you know yeah. the difference yeah. though is like one person is a person of a- or all of the people and mother are people of action and re- mm. relaxer is a person who's standing up for by for himself by sitting down which is just like mm. something i would that not agree I, that, but... I find abrasive you you don't agree that he's no i would say he is not standing up for himself like the i think his problem is that he is uh not standing up for himself in both a physical and uh metaphorical way um, so i he's being I think you know given how... these stupid challenges and he should be saying no you're an idiot i agree but okay so when the brother leaves yeah. right the last thing that he says is i quit quitting Ah, right, and and then he mm. he de- we never see him cheat again. Before that point, we were seeing him cheat, and then he stops cheating. He mm. stays sitting there the whole time until the brother gets back. Yeah. And to me, that's like when he started standing up for himself, quote unquote. 
like like it was a mm. slow build to him finally standing up, putting on the sunglasses, and blowing his brother up. Got it. Yeah, yeah. That's always I how I that. saw it. Yeah, yeah. Different interpretation. I could see that. Um, but, and yeah, the performance itself, it just didn't do anything for you, huh? It exhausted me, made me weary, and honestly, I just, I never wanted a movie to end already as much as when I was watching this movie. I fucking hated this movie. Wow. But wow. I'm, like, now that I've sat through it, I'm oddly glad that I did because mm. it's just there, there is something about having like your worst experiences in cinema that make your best experiences better i guess mm. so like it, it at least serves that value um let's at least try to talk about something before we move on like about the film other than how much i hate it <laughs> um yep. the ending what do you think about mm. the uh like the way that the he beats it and then it projects out of the tv and like destroys the world <laughs> Yeah, it's kind of this this transcendent moment uh, brought on by achieving the the mythic level two fifty seven two fifty eight something like that. Um, I don't I don't know that I've really extracted any like uh, uh, metaphorical value from that. Um, I actually think some of the sur- more surreal things like the mind control and that kind of thing weren't as effective for me. I didn't hate them, um, but I don't know that i had like a, a real response to it mind you? control uh whatever you want to call it it when he's putting on the sunglasses you know and he's uh you know for example staring down his brother until uh he blows up um, yeah that's like the one time it happens right because then the other time the cup moves on its cockroaches right i should say attempted right i guess so, so there was one other time where um the woman came in to help him and gave him the note that un- that ultimately unlocks it, and he was like giving the person like heart palpitations or something. The boyfriend that mm-hmm. came up the stairs. So I guess there were technically two times and three times he tried. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I don't, I don't know what fine. to make out of it. It's just, yeah. I, I don't know. To me, it's completely empty and devoid of meaning in a way that mm. none of these other films are. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I did not experience that um i think it gets something right about uh the time period um i think it utilizes its one particular place um in a very um tactile way um i think there's a very tangible sense of place um particularly because of how it's shot and how that camera moves and remains fixed between him and the tv um, I think it gets something right about um, uh, immaturity. And were you never bothered by the fact that it's a wireless camera that's been working for six months? No, not at all. Hmm. This, could... is, this is not realism. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just, I, uh, yeah, yeah. I There's mean... something real about the exterminating angel, though. You, you know, like even though I disagree. That's, like, the most surreal movie ever made. Right? Even though it's totally unreal, like, when they're in the walls of the building, Mm. the rules apply to everything besides, like, manifestations of the metaphysical. And Mm. I never felt like the camera was a manifestation of something metaphysical, the way that, like, a hand going across the floor is, or, like, Mm. bears just showing up. Yeah. Yeah. Um... 
Yeah, yeah, um, understood. Um, like, I, I guess, so, like, I, I don't know that it has a coherent tone, is maybe what I'm trying to say. Mm. I would disagree. I think it is a very consistent and, and idiosyncratic tone that is sort of, um, sort of, like, serio-comic. The way it's sort of just, like, pathetic to watch him sit there and also funny to see him try to survive um i would i would say it's very to me it feels very distinctive um in, in how it has both pathos distinct. and comedy um so you think as a project it's distinct or you think that it has a distinct theme both 100 percent. Oh, okay yeah i, don't, I yeah we're struggling just, with the middle ground we <laughs> uh we are on opposite sides of the mississippi river and there are, are no sandbars we need to go further south in order to find you're a over place there to cross hi taylor <laughs> oh, hi michael <laughs> uh i'm gonna disagree with you about relaxer just forever but that's okay i dare Fair you enough. to watch this film with gabby no this is this is the thing this 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 movie has taught me that i can say no i, I refuse that challenge <laughs> He's standing up for himself, people. <laughs> but I'm still on the couch. <laughs> I'm just going to relax just a little bit longer. That's relaxer. Moving on. I'm supposed to act like they aren't here. Assuming there's a they at all. It may just be my imagination. Whatever it is that's watching, it's not human. You show what we regard more as competition phenomenon. Competition between the left and the right hemispheres of your brain. It's like you have two signals that interfere with each other by carrying conflicting information. Two hemispheres of my brain are competing? Yes. What does a scanner see? Into the head? Down into the heart? Does it see into me? Into us? Clearly or darkly? This is a much better, much more artistic film that you did not like as much as you liked Relaxer. This is a Scanner Darkly from Richard Linklater, the creator of the Before Trilogy, and one of the most seminal films of our time, Boyhood. Both show. One of my favorite directors, for sure. Um... Yeah, uh, this has been, this has been a blind spot for me for a long time. Even though oh, really? I'd always considered uh, Linklater one of my favorites, um, just never got around to seeing this one. Um, I did have to watch it over two days. That did not help. Mm. That always detracts, um, you know, from an experience for me. So um, very open about that. Um, it it has definitely lingered with me, and I think improved just the more I've sat with it. Um, and it's one that I think I find more compelling in hindsight than, um, uh, than in the moment, but, um, it, it is yeah. kind of, um, I don't know if this is the right word, but almost narcotic when you're watching it. Like you're mm. so overwhelmed with the animation style and trying to keep track mm. of like who's even in the frame and what's happening mm. that you don't get to reflect on the experience until it's kind of over. Yeah, and if yeah. you start reflecting halfway through, that might change the feeling of the film. Yeah, in a significant yeah. way. Yeah, I would agree. Um, yeah, things I liked, things I didn't like, um, just you know, 
it's always difficult to kind of how to, to try and weigh those. Uh, the animation itself, I, I mostly liked quite a bit. Um, I, um, I gather that many people just adore it. I don't know that I'm one of those people. I really like it, but it wasn't kind of transcendent for me animation wise. Um, what about you? I think it's one of the most interesting adaptations of a novel that I've ever seen. I've personally never read Philip K. Dick's A Scanner Darkly, but uh, the person I watched it with has read it, I think, more than once. Mm. And uh, he said specifically that he didn't remember that the suits were actually a part of A Scanner Darkly. Mm. Um, And I thought that was, if that's true, that that's just an amazing flourish Mm. by Linklater as a director to find a way to visualize what that scrambling thing would be in Mm. in the visual medium instead of the narrative medium. Yeah, Um, yeah. And just the way that he captured those performances and then layered on top of it. Like when I think about more recent entries trying to do this type of animation style, um, Loving Vincent. Um, oh, yeah. It's like, this is incredible. Like it is just mm-hmm. a truly incredible interpretation of a piece. Um, I think that he does a very good job of not um, being upfront with some of the narrative stuff that's playing in the background. Like, if you mm. remember some of the doctors, they would appear differently at different times. So they're clearly wearing suits that are projecting single images. Um, the the ones that Connor Reeves is going to see? Yes. Um, they, they are, like, he will look away, and then he'll look back, and they will be different people. Mm. Got it, got it. And they'll still have the same voice. Um, and they... Right. The first thing that they tell him is to get a blue flower or when he asks them about how to woo Winona Ryder, who Mm, is mm. playing a a character for him um, to try to take down this thing that's killing all these people. um, Mm. They they say, bring her a blue flower. And then we never really see that thread come together. Mm. And the way that that pays off, just the way that that is silent foreshadowing, the story continues um, kind of fast and loose. It it almost reminded me of um, Destroyer, just mm. how how it's just going fast and loose with the narrative line of him being a cop trying to figure out what exactly is going on in this mm. scenario. And then the way that that comes back at the end, kind of like how Destroyer comes back at the end, I thought was just really sharp. Yeah. As yeah. a as narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, like in the days after. That's when I think the content really kind of started to resonate with me. And in the moment, I would kind of think to myself, wow, some of this is really striking to look at. For me, it's actually it's actually a great uh, film to bring up, Loving Vincent, because I think I had the same kind of problem here that I had with Loving Vincent, which was that I, even as I kind of liked the the surface of the form, for me, it in a way was sort of a barrier to for me to actually get into the into the characterizations um in you know individually i like some of these characters but there were scenes where they're interacting with each other where like i just felt like something wasn't um quite right there was something kind of inorganic or constructed about like how these group of friends were relating to each other um i would agree but my personal interpretation of that was applying the rules of the world not the rules of the animation being visually mm. depicted like these are all drug addicts all on something that is evil mm-hmm. and th- they're clearly going down these really negative rabbit holes and yeah. there yeah. there is a point for me at least in the film where it's been so long that i didn't really remember whether or not keanu reeves is good or bad 
mm-hmm. and where I like almost became sympathetic to Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I do. Yeah, and I do think that's something that that sort of revealed itself to me um, after the fact is sort of how your sort of your your sympathy kind of uh, evolves, mm-hmm. I guess. Um, not in like a radical way, but in a very nice sort of subtle way, I guess. Um, do, do you think uh, at all that? You know how he's wearing the suit and it's changing all these things. Do you think that I, this might be reaching and, and I might be totally wrong that the film might do something like that where like you think mm. that it's this thing that you're looking at and you think it's this other thing that you're looking at and it keeps kind of shifting and then they're on the mm. highway and the car gives out and you think that like someone's doing something nefarious to kill all of them mm. and like like it just keeps kind of changing shapes and, and morphing on you and then at the end you kind of have a whole idea of what this things shape is but you don't really know what it truly looks like it's a very interesting idea i don't know that i am at a place where with it where i could articulate like what those different shapes kind of look like and mean to me but i do think like that uh makes a lot of sense i i i could very much uh see that experience um for sure and and i i do think um that uh particular detail looks pretty great um, the the shape shifting cop suits. Um, it's, it's just striking on the eye. Um, Robert Downey Jr. probably uh, who I uh, most sort of responded to. Um, He's full body uh, acting. It's he really great. is. He really is. Um, and that's why like rating is weird because I can think of scenes where I really liked what he was doing, like gesticulating. When, yeah, when he comes in with the bike. <laughs> Total. Total, total, totally, total, total, total providence. Look, what I obtained for a mere $50. What is it? Oh, this would be an 18-speed bike of the all-terrain variety. Why do you say it's an 18-speed when it only has nine gears? Okay, those guys told me it was 18 speeds. I just got Greek. I just got... Let's just go rescue the orphan gears, dude! Um, and... Actually, I, I'm calling him out, but I actually thought Woody Harrelson was super funny, too. Hilarious, um, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I really like what they're doing in that scene. And then, like, Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder are kind of in the other corner of the room, and Woody and Robert Downey Jr. are talking about the bike. And I don't know, something about that scene, like, it just... Something was kind of missing about, like, the organic kind of quality of these four people hanging out. Um I agree, but to me that was that was kind of showing the narrative seams of like mm. how these these people are trying to manufacture this relationship in order to like achieve something. Like it mm. isn't organic. Winona does not belong there. She's not having a real mm. romantic relationship with Keanu Reeves. Keanu mm. Reeves doesn't really belong there. He's a cop undercover. Um, who's taking these pills because he thinks that that is what they asked him to do for his job. Mm. And then there's these two tweakers that are also in the room. While these two cops think that they're on the job, impersonating being on the job. Like, Mm. to me, it's kind of like those destroyer scenes where Nicole Kidman and Sebastian Stan are sharing those eye glances. And, Mm. like, although that, that scene feels very real, that shared glance totally breaks the framing of the scene and makes it something different. And mm. I think that um, while this style is completely different than that Destroyer style, kind of what's happening in that room might be the same thing of breaking mm. the the film 
um, in the way that we're looking at it. Yeah, yeah, that could be. Um, you know, maybe I just have to come at that that kind of scene from a different angle. You know, sometimes you just you find your way in. It's maybe not not the most productive way. Or maybe you're right and I'm wrong. I don't. Know. I don't know. This is just um, me spitballing. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I I really liked how it ended. I actually thought the the ending was um, very uh, sort of devastating moving for me um and that's that played a huge role in it sticking with me i think in the uh coming days the idea of keanu reeves just still out there in that field with the blue flower in his shoe um that's a resonant yeah yeah that's a, a resonant D- image did it, for sure or idea like i i still don't know what to do with it i just know that it blows my mind that like we saw the flowers and then we stopped seeing the flowers Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, how much else didn't I see in the movie? Because he's not seeing what they don't want him to see. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And like, we're only seeing what they want us to see. Like, I don't, those, yeah. those ideas make that animation style so much richer for me because I, I question what exactly I was allowed to see. Like I was, I was shown things that didn't exist when, um, Rory McCrane, I can't remember his name, mm. Um, is tripping in the beginning, right? We see like, oh, the cockroaches yeah, yeah. and he puts the bugs in the jar. And like the things that were shown are the things, or are maybe not the real things that are there. And it definitely makes me like interested in reading the book and mm. like going back and revisiting the film and making comparisons. I, I think that like just as a flat statement, this is um, regardless of whether or not it's a three and a half or a five or whatever for review, it is one of the most mm. exciting adaptations of a novel. Um, to a a separate form of art like whether or not you're going to make a painting dedicated to a book or a a film or a cartoon or a a live action animated film i i do think that this is a very very exciting adaptation yeah yeah um and it makes you want to read the book yeah right yeah um yeah i haven't read have you read any of his other uh books yeah um the electric sheep one i yeah. definitely read and then yeah. you know uh my buddies always had like the complete collection i think i've probably gone through six of them they're they're yeah. all pretty small books yeah. philip k dick really busted out the novels for the paychecks <laughs> i think yeah 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 philip philip k dick is really one i'm only familiar with through cinema just having never read his stuff um so i can you know Blade only Runner. imagine if you're more familiar with that uh, source material, you know, you can better appreciate, you know, what Linklater is doing with it. Yeah, it becomes richer, kind of like yeah. having watched Buñuel and then reflecting on Relaxer or Mother. Yeah, or uh, Beale Street. Yeah. We love Beale Street. Um, yeah, and uh, yeah, it was particularly resonant for me um, afterwards, just thinking about um, like where the opioid crisis is now, um, and even like this week reading about like. Uh, Purdue Pharma, mm-hmm. um, you know, and the revelations about them, uh, you know, seeking to open treatment centers after, um, you know, allegedly, uh, or more than allegedly, you know, having played a huge role in sparking this crisis in yes. the first place. And I do think I'm like, wow, like, the there is something really special when a movie just seems to, like, intersect with your ingestion of current events that can just be really meaningful. And I think that definitely happened for me here. And, um, and it speaks to Philip K. Dick as a voice, you, mm. you know, as a science fiction 
voice that kind of saw how systems interact and how certain things seem to be eternal. Yeah, yeah. So do you find the ending bleak or hopeful? hopeful? Yeah, I was just going to say. I, I always lean hopeful, yeah. <laughs> you can't help it. You're like, there's got to be there's got to be some hope here. I'm always going to root for Winona Ryder and Keanu Reeves. It's just never going to not you, be How do you not root for them? Yeah. 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 This is our, um, our favorite couple as a show, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I agree. Um, it is, it's like a, there is a glimmer of hope. It is yeah, not. Yeah, because he puts um, the flower in his boot. We know that he's going to see her on Thanksgiving and that's mm-hmm. the evidence that they need. Yeah. Well, I guess, yeah, for me, it was, it was, I guess it was just the question as if, if he was, if he was still like lucid enough to just to sort of know that he had I don't think he knows what he's doing okay but you think he's going to stumble into it I think that the psychologist had prepped him to stumble into solving it and then if Winona Ryder truly does love him then hopefully everything will be fine yeah yeah and to quote her in a recent interview and her mind they're still married yeah yeah (laughs) I do like an ending that allows you to just sort of like project the next few steps in the process which I think this very uh, this very much does well. Um, yeah, it's a lot it, less bleak than relaxer. <laughs> it is. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Um, yeah, I'm glad we watched it. I am too. On to the beach bomb. Give me a uh, lucky lotto and a cigar, would you? Sure. You don't sell acid, dude. No. That's too bad, man. Uh... I write poetry. I like that fun, man. Moondog. We're talking about The Beach Bum. Harmony Corian's latest, starring Matthew McConaughey, Isla Fisher, Snoop Dogg. Doggy Dogg. Snoop Martin Lion. Snoop us. Lion, you're right. He That is his... Does he still go by a Snoop Lion? Or has I, he changed it I since then? Who's up to date on their Snoop Dogg? I know he's still uh, smoking weed. Pseudonyms. I can guarantee that. Right into the show. If we're wrong, correct us. What do you think? I am mixed on this movie as far as ratings go, mm-hmm. which is exactly how I've been with the only other Harmony Curran film I've seen, which is um, Spring Breakers. Mm. However, a while ago, we talked about if Letterboxd had sizes of hearts. And ah. if this could just be rated from my heart, it would be the biggest heart I could give it. Like, I really Big do heart. love this movie. I don't quite know what I critically, quote unquote, think about it. Mm. It's definitely tough, and I have... I don't know that Harmony Korean is necessarily someone I want to think about the things he's doing too much, mm. because then it might take away some of the mystique and the joy that I get with the heart. Mm. There, there are some specific things, like um, what Moondog does with his glasses, the tears throughout the film mm. that Moondog has, because there are certain times where he flips his glasses up, and we haven't seen him put eye drops in, and he's crying, and then he puts eye drops ah. in. Um, and I don't know if that's like because he's high or because of the pain that he's getting high to hide from. Like there, there's mm. a lot I think to chew on. It's just I don't know how to chew on it, mm. and I don't know if I want to. Yeah, that's interesting. So you think there's that's interesting. You saw that there was potentially this reserve of pain that he yes. was perhaps that shielding himself from. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, yeah, I, I, I guess I saw him just from a different angle as just too 
um, intoxicated by the the appeal of all of these sensual pleasures. Um, yeah, so maybe I, it's yeah. too beautiful. Maybe life is too beautiful, and that's why he's crying. That's the thing. I don't mm. quite know what to make of his tears. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think I like that, that, he, that he's not uh, an easy character to pick apart i think or at least i felt that way no i definitely um, agree right his uh his daughter says he, he's a genius and completely unreliable unlike mm. you yeah yeah um to her husband at the time yeah yeah it did make me wish i had seen spring records a little more recently just because of how much it felt like sort of a companion to it particularly in the style with some of the really vivid color um it just feels like a continuation of Corian's interest in just debauchery and um, you know people's sort of um, the, the lure of decadence and and these kinds of uh, very earthly pleasures um, and I think I like that I don't really feel him uh, critiquing this character I mean I think he sort of allows me the space to judge and he's really just kind of putting me in Moondog's uh, headspace and allowing me to sort of, you know, see life the way he does. Did, did you ever um, come to a judgment with Moondog? Um, I do want Moondog to change his ways. I do. Yes. Okay. Um, so I, I do, I, I do know. have a judgment in a sense. Yeah. I, when I'm, when I have to look at Moondog, when I'm watching this film, I agree with that statement. Mm. But when I don't have to look at him... Mm. There is something that I find nice about the idea of someone like that in the world. Mm. Like just smoking weed, getting on a jet, flying away, burning all the money that he gets um, just for a laugh. Like I, I, mm. I like the I like that level of chaos in the world that is non-malicious. Like yeah. I, I do yeah. find that there's a weird value to it. Yeah, I would agree up until the point that there is consequence um and and that's and that's what just makes the movie interesting but that's the thing like was there ever a con that's what i don't know i guess like let me ask you do you think there is consequences to his actions or do you think that there's consequences to the people's actions that choose to hang out with him um i i i do pin the uh the we're talking spoilers here correct we always talk about spoilers. no doubt no doubt, no doubt. yeah yeah i do pin his wife's death um primarily on him more so than her for being in the car um but she was driving. less so was she driving she was driving um yeah i i don't she drove um, to the bar to pick him up wasted yeah then yeah and then got it, wasted at the bar with him and then said we should go for a drive so she instigated yeah. it, and then they were in the car. Yeah, yeah. And she was driving. Yeah, I... And that's the thing, like, because I agree, like, I want to blame him, but I yeah. don't... I, I think that that might be, like, a shallow desire of mine to want to blame him, and maybe mm. all these other people that are choosing to interact with him, and, like, the fact that she chose to get married to him... Yeah, um, yeah. ...and stay married to him, like, how culpable is she? Because she know she was clearly more sound of mind. Yeah, I mean, I guess then I find them sort of uh, equally responsible. I don't know. I, I, I have trouble sort of just letting him off the hook, even I if agree. even if she was, um, you know, 
also quite wasted. I, 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 I think the evidence is mounting that his carefree sensibility um, does not really allow him to put his best foot forward. Um, I don't think the, the movie really suggests he exercises great judgment. Um, I, I agree, but you said... So, I, I mostly agree. You, you said that you don't think that the way he behaves allows him to put his best foot forward. And I don't know, because like his artistic genius might be because he's so fucked up yeah you know like well that's i it's think that's weird like is that is that putting his best foot forward is creating beautiful art putting your best foot forward or not well i think that's the other thing is that it does i think it does hinge on whether or not you think his output is beautiful or not i think i'm on the fence about it it sounds like you're more convinced <laughs> i'm definitely on the fence about it but i think that it is beautiful enough that it deserves to like belongs in the world it has a place to belong in the world and the world would be poor if it wasn't in the world and i'm i i think that us as a society are at our weakest point to judge poetry than we've ever mm. been in the historical past so oh, yeah. i i really think that it's like it's multifaceted in its interest yeah yeah um yeah i feel like i'll read a stat every now and then about how there's like more poetry being created now than ever before and you know fewer people reading it than ever yeah um like like if you <laughs> named a modern poet that wasn't ann carson i probably wouldn't know who it mm. is yeah 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 i was thinking to myself like if i were to like pair this with other movies what, what would it what would i pair it with i was like it's kind of funny to just in my head compare moondog to patterson as a poet, a fellow cinematic poet, uh, I also kind of think about some of Sofia Coppola's movies, like hmm. The Bling Ring and Marie Antoinette, and just, you know, sort of the uh, depiction of um, wealth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, the, 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 the very strong... streaming down their faces. Very strong appeal of it, and, and how just easy it is to kind of succumb to that. Uh, Moondog married into it, uh, yep. and he had no problem adjusting. <laughs> it was just <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, how do you feel about a hard right turn in this conversation? What you got? Just, I have some wandering thoughts, and I figure suss them out with you. What um, you got? So we talk about, I talk about Jeff Nichols in Americana quite often, mm. and the unique patina he brings to films, and you often agree, or, or at least it enriches a conversation. What do you think about Harmony Kareen maybe also creating Americana, but instead of the type that we're used to with the Midwest Jeff Nichols Americana, mm. maybe he's interrogating like the state of Florida a little bit more mm. uh, with his films. Is does that hold out any water for you, or is it sinking like the Florida? State? Yeah, it's a, maybe it's like Florida like as a destination for you know decadence, right? Um, well, I mean, also they're they have the <laughs> highest. Uh, opioid addictions per capita oh. if i remember for the highest subscriptions uh, or prescriptions handed out as well like they mm. they were running farms um opioid farms in florida for a long time um they have the stand your ground law which lets them get away with um murder if someone's on your property mm. um like the florida as a state has a very storied history of being like one of the most fucked up and decadent states mm. yeah and i yeah. believe that that's where spring breakers takes place as well uh, yeah. as this film. Yeah, I so right. I, I do question if 
there is any level to like a philosophical interrogation of what the state of Florida is. <laughs> exactly. That's interesting. In his films. Yeah. Um, the way that we talk about Nichols bringing the Midwest to life with mud and such. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think these two movies um, together certainly comprise a certain vision of Florida as a as a uh, as a site for its indulgence. But like, think about the um, Florida Project, right? Yeah, it yeah. Picks the third world country portion of the, F- the Florida area because these mm. super luxuriant places exist. There are these places mm. where it's almost like you're living an insect's life around these great yeah. decadent areas. Yeah, yeah. I remember this was a weird instance of a distributor trying to curate, but after, I think it was after Moonlight came out that A24 said that the Florida trilogy is now complete between Moonlight, the Florida Project, and Spring Breakers. Oh, wow. Um, which I thought was kind of cool. Like, you don't hear a, a distributor oh, yeah, or a studio Moonlight, trying to do that. Oh, yeah, for example. Yeah that's, yeah, that's another great example, right? Yeah, yeah. Very, very different side of it, for sure. Um, which I think is interesting. Um, it's uh it's a pretty different place to, to live if you're a black gay kid versus a wealthy teenage girl mm-hmm. on spring break. But there's also or... an intersection of James Franco, Moondog, and Chai. Or not Chai. Is that his name? Mm. In Moonlight? Yeah. Little. Little. Well, his name kind of changes, but yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. yeah. I, I do think those all those movies kind of uh, nicely speak to each other in terms of their sense of place like for sure so do you think that there even if it isn't like on purpose do you think there is like a, a conversation almost happening about like florida as a state perhaps yeah yeah totally okay. i can see that um yeah 100 percent. especially like white florida you know not, yeah. not to get like racist with it but like white rich florida is definitely different than uh poor white florida and the florida project and definitely different than any version of black florida that were shown in moonlight yeah yeah some pretty radical uh divisions between uh experiences and then there. like think back to scarface which takes place in florida right mm-hmm. yeah like I, yeah. I do think that there might be a very interesting story mm-hmm. in film throughout time about this fucking weird state kind of like (laughs) how texas has all these really cool unique films that kind of bring it to life um whether you want to go to like hell or high water something more contemporary Mm. or or go back to like the treasure of the sierra madre Mm. there is something about like the mysteriousness of wealth Mm. that this state is obsessed with yeah and it's racial divides yeah 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 one thing that I always really loved in uh, the Florida Project was the uh, the helicopters that you see in the background, yeah, um, landing and going. You know, you see it as a destination that people come to, but then get out and then they go back home wherever they live. Um, and uh, you know, the the contrast between the people who go there to party and the people who live there um, can be pretty striking. Um, and I think, yeah, they all kind of add up to a, a composite of sorts for sure. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think, uh, the, the beach bum in particular, I think I did overall like, um, I, it's just one that I never felt myself respond to quite strongly enough to love it, but I just found it, you know, when when you say love, you, you mean rating or you mean heart or you mean both? 
Um, just as one that I think I really, um, you know, that I really connected with in a meaningful way. In, yeah, which I, I, I don't, it's kind of what ratings are for I me. I don't know if I, I, like, I agree. Like, I don't think that you can really connect. Because every yeah. time you try to connect to this guy, he's so fucking high and out of it and making these fucking terrible choices that, like, I kind like, I fundamentally hate him as a person. Yeah. But I also love the film and its characters in a really odd way where it's like i i have to separate the way that i like this film or or care about this film from the way that i i watched it like i did not necessarily always enjoy watching it yeah i don't know that any level of the craft was really that great but i also don't know if it was that bad or like if it was abrasive like it's it's a weird interaction and that's why like i'm glad it exists but i don't i don't know how to rate it yeah 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 uh yeah for me i i i think he sort of succeeded me succeeded in getting me into moondog's headspace i just don't know that i've i've found ultimately that much value in that experience to really kind of get me up into those upper, upper echelons of ratings but um i am glad i experienced it nonetheless while oh i guess it won't be out in theaters yet but i, I was gonna say while this is still fresh in your mind. I wish that you could watch her smell because oh. you'll have a very similar interaction with a creative person who is incredibly mm. abrasive like Moondog. thought you were going to say it's set in Florida. No. <laughs> no, <laughs> no it, it ought to be. You, you could pretend that they're on tour in Florida in some of the cuts. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, yeah. It's an interesting movie. I am very glad we watched it and talked about it, but I still don't know what I think about it. And that is... Maybe why I lean towards it being good rather than bad. There you go. I'm on board with that. On dit qu'elle est dans l'œil. Dans l'œil de celui qui regarde. Alors si personne ne regarde plus. Who are we? Who were we? When we were who we were. Facts in. Holy Motors. Do we have a movie to talk about? Whoa, we sure do. I don't know how to pronounce this director's name. Do you? I do not recall this director's name, so that's going to be a hard no. First name is I don't even remember the name of the actor, and I looked it up this morning. There you go. It's Leo with an S. I don't know how you pronounce that. Leosh. Leosh? And then the last name is C-A-R-A-X. C A R A X Karach 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 Liash Karach Yeah, we're going with that. Okay, all right. It's that or Leos <laughs> Karach. <laughs> it is something it's hard like to that. Say. Uh, this is fresh for you. This is day of recording. This is day of recording. I squeezed it in this morning. Um, there you go. Well caffeinated. Extremely well caffeinated. Although I am still tired. Mm. Um, I have a love for performance and this is definitely assembling my love of performance into a streamlined vehicle Mm. pun intended um and i just generally enjoyed almost everything that i interacted with um and what i didn't and what i didn't enjoy i find particularly fascinating so overall i'm super high on this film how about you there you go 
I enjoyed most of it. Um, it took me a little while until I started sort of finding um, my own ideas in it. At first, I was just sort of um, enjoying its kind of idiosyncrasy. Is that a word? Idiosyncrasies. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until um, a particular point where he starts... Um, where our main character says some things that made me start thinking about this as sort of just an allegory or metaphor for filmmaking or cinema itself. And that was the main sort of uh, idea that I was getting from it. Um, Some of the material here sort of lined up with what I was thinking. Some of it did not. Some of it I found more compelling than not um, or than others. Um, So it was maybe just a little uneven for me, but overall positive for sure. Um... You mentioned the main guy, whose name we don't remember. I agree. I do like him. I think he kind of carries the thing. Um, yeah. What's I, for, he's really in every It's like scene, saying Scarlett Johansson really carries under the skin. Like, duh, it's the only thing. Yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> literally in every frame, I, I think. Um, Except the end. Yeah, you're right. Um, when, when we have some limos chatting mm-hmm. with each other. Um, but yeah, you mentioned a couple other movies that you thought that that came to mind ah, um, my movie math and my review yeah yeah one i knew one i didn't i think cosmopolis was the one i knew the other one i don't remember so my my movie math to explain this to people that haven't seen this film and might want to see this film is if you take the dresser which had a recent adapt it's a play it's a famous play mm. but its recent adaptation was uh if i remember correctly Anthony Hopkins and Sir Ian McKellen or it was Patrick Stewart and Sir Ian McKellen I can't remember which duo it was but if you take that film and you pair it with Cosmopolis and then you add Under the Skin you Mm. get Holy Motors there you go it is very much all of those three films because The Dresser is about it's instead of the play it's about getting ready for the play and the interactions in the hallways behind Mm. the scenes that is very much what's oh, happening in this limo. And that is also the subject of Cosmopolis, Robert Pattinson conducting mm-hmm. business from my limo and kind of the world coming to him. And that is very much what is happening in this film. Like the world is very much coming to him in these appointments. And then he's getting out of the limo to go do these objectives and then getting back in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and when the yeah. appointment ends, you will leave. That's right. Yeah, I have not seen Cosmopolis, but... Um, you know, I'm familiar with Cronenberg and, you know, some of the uh, more, like, physically kind of uh, striking stuff here felt Cronenbergian to me, I, I suppose. Agree. I could see that for sure. Um, and and definitely under under the skin in terms of just exactly what you said, the, the way a lead performance is really carrying this through in sort of this shape-shifting way. You I, could I was actually add thinking more like, than me, but... Rather than under the skin, it might be on the skin. because i think under the skin is very much about like what we're projecting into this character and i think that this film is very much the opposite it's more on the skin like what are we feeling when we're watching these scenes like how does it make us feel rather than using our frontal lobe and trying to like think about like what's going on in the scene i think it's a lot more useful to think about how you can let yourself feel from watching these characters interact with each other letting the scene play out and really attempting to feel it rather Mm. than just focus on how you're thinking about it yeah yeah um yeah i i hear people describe lynch david lynch in the same way that he's he's working a little bit more with the subconscious than the conscious 
um, and, you know, just through um, some of his, uh, you know, striking imagery, he strikes a chord that you didn't even realize was really kind of inside you, and you kind of have to figure out what, what it was that just, uh, what it is that just hit you, mm-hmm. and you kind of figure it out later. Um, but, uh, yeah, you tell me, like, did the filmmaking metaphor, was that just me, or were you gathering that too? The, the filmmaking metaphor is there, um, I, I did some reading beforehand about how every single critic, when this film came out, thought that it was amazing because of its criticism of the filmmaking medium, and mm. I made a harsh decision, I made, I made a firm decision to, um, not let that be my frame of mind. Because I was mm. like, okay, so if that's what everyone thinks, I don't want to think what everyone thinks. I want to try mm. to unlock something, something else new. that maybe other people weren't interacting with. And so I focused more on performance and just how there's these similarities in storytelling, right? Like mm. there's this point in time where these two limos come together and start honking. And then all of a sudden it turns into a... Um, there is a film, Blue Jay. It turns into mm. a mini-sode of Blue Jay with Sarah Paulson mm. and Mark Duplass, where it's these two people that were in love for this point in time, sharing this 20 minutes together, walking hand in hand, not really talking before they have to get back to their appointments and their normal lives. And they sing and talk. Yes. And there is something so shatteringly beautiful about that storytelling element of... Um, two things coming together in almost a collision and like this fuss being made and then two people kind of walking off and Mm. and having this interaction together before returning to reality and then the stark reality of how we physically see that portrayed of course is gonna bring us back to film or the visual Mm. medium at some level right because when once he descends those stairs she becomes dead to him Mm. and then we're just seeing some sort of a visual manifestation of what's going through his head emotionally happen on the Mm. screen and when he walks outside she has um, killed herself with her current husband or boyfriend and he begins to openly weep and and kind of um, over uh, what's the term for hyperventilating Mm. He he starts hyperventilating and kind of runs like a child towards the door and closes it um, because he can't handle the emotions. And I think that that's something that maybe not might not be real if if you just try to feel the film. Like, mm. because the film is a film, it has to visually show us what happens emotionally to make us feel that. But that might not be what really happened. That just might be how he's feeling. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I think, I think you uh, connected with him more strongly than I did. Um, and I don't know that that's really like a criticism I have of it. That was just my own experience. Like I want, I really kind of wanted to more than I did. Um, I think I probably attached to one idea a little earlier than I should have. And then was like a little, um, like in one lane that I needed to kind of break free from, free from, um, you know, it was probably during the motion capture scene that I was like, oh, okay, like, are we kind of doing, like, the the things involved in movie making? Is that what each of these appointments are? So then I was like, motion See, capture. That's, that, that's what's interesting to me. Like, you are, you are kind of maybe, because you interact with film as an art, I would say, not disparagingly to you, but almost mm. exclusively in your interactions with art, like, between music and and anything else, it's like, Music's probably number one for you, and then number two is movies, right? 
just as far they as duel. what you were interacting with yeah. most. Whereas, um, you know, if you were playing more video games, you might mm. be thinking motion capture video games. Like, you might be what it is, adding yeah. in other art um, yeah. genres. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so my, my own sort of reading was sort of immediately undercut once... I saw that it, that's what it they were looked these like. Weird it was creatures. a video game. Yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, okay. The the hobo scene, which is the very first appointment, kind of like, I'm like, is this like film financing? Is he trying to get the money to make the project? Um, oh, interesting. Okay. That's what I thought. Um, I, I haven't really come up with that yet. Yeah. To me, yeah. that's like the, I, I don't know. I started from very much like a, a Scrooge place. Like, mm. it's just classic Dickens more than mm. anything to me like i was just trying to think more stories not like film objectives yeah, yeah. metaphorically because yeah. it is all these stories together and while it's almost certainly true that this is all about film because that's what all critics seem to agree on i just mm. wanted to try to reach for something different yeah yeah and i yeah i would hope that there is more um than just that um the scene in the graveyard where he's he's sort of embodying like a, a zombie almost yeah a zombie hobo I guess I don't know what you would call but him like eating, um, he looks homeless he, he's he, almost just um consuming love and greed and it's a it's a very interesting character because as it continues uh, right the final thing he ingests is Ava Mendez's hair after he ingests her cash and it's just such a visually rich metaphor going on with that character i don't quite know what to make of it yeah um other than it's a monster that consumes everything beautiful around it i guess Mm. or everything that can um acquire beauty even yeah right because he doesn't eat her hair when the wig is on (laughs) Yeah. And then once the wig comes off, you're like, Jesus Christ, her hair looks even better now. And he just starts eating and rips it off of her. Very and it's strange. just, a, it's an incredible scene. And Ava Mendez throughout her face is just very, um, it, it really reminds me of her role in um, Ryan Gosling's directorial debut, Lost River. Like it's, mm. it's just this really rich metaphorical role where he, she's kind of, you can't really unlock her, but you know that mm. she plays like the symbolic value mm. very deeply. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, kind of like the motion capture where I kind of had an idea that I then went back on once I saw that it was a video game. The graveyard scene I kind of thought felt like film marketing or film PR with the photo shoot, and he's like, oh yeah, I can sell this. You know, this is weird, this is gross, let me get this. And then they go down to what you were just describing. They're underground, right? Mm-hmm. In the graveyard. In the and I was like, oh, I don't know what to do with this. Well, um, he starts not in by going way, in the sewers. Sewers. You're right. You're right. Uh, and then he yeah, emerges into the graveyard yeah. from the sewer. You're right. And then goes back into the sewer with Ava Mendes yeah. on his shoulder. Yeah. Um, intriguing for sure. But my, uh, I, I, di- I didn't know what to do with what I was watching. Yeah. Um, but like, but, uh, you, that's there's why, these small yeah. motifs, right? That's like fine. she loses her high heel, and that all of a sudden Cinderella. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's you know, nice. like there's, and it's on the stairs specifically. Like there's all these little things that are similar tie-ins to other films that we've seen throughout mm-hmm. this whole thing, and and then there's similarities within it, right? Like in the motion capture scene when they're having the animated sex, yeah, and yeah. when he's specifically interacting with that female contortionist, I, I yeah. would assume that that's what she is. Um, and basically bondage gear each of them are 
um, ghillie suits. He begins licking her vagina <laughs> on the outside of the suit. Correct. Um, and then <laughs> after he bites off the girl's fingers and there's blood in his mouth, he licks Ava Mendez's armpit. Mm. So there, there is this weird symbiosis happening in this film mm. of building up meanings and I don't exactly know what they are but I think that they're there just feel them to mm. to be felt yeah yeah exactly yeah. to be felt yeah. on yeah. the skin not under it yeah yeah much better to, to feel first and figure it out later rather than to feel nothing and, yeah I yeah. I definitely was not trying to figure out what I was watching I was just trying yeah. to feel it just let it let it wash over you first yeah because because every it it's as I was pouring through um, reviews that were non-spoilery before I watched it it was just like everyone had this take that it was accomplishing these goals in this way and I was like mm. isn't that always what we like don't want a film to do like we don't want it to just tell us something we want it to also be felt yeah yeah and usually want you know at least or i usually want at least as many questions as answers that's if you give me too many answers you're just giving me reasons to forget yeah about the movie like case closed um this has left me with plenty to ponder for sure um and uh yeah just like you said with the uh scene where they uh, where they meet the the man and the woman, there is something uh, emotional to it. Um, but also, sure. like, s- similar to something I've seen before. Mm. Just, it feels, like, familiar, you mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think yeah. that that's where, like, it's filmmaking medium comes out. Uh, where it's yeah. like, this yeah. is definitely about film because it's all these things that I feel like I've seen before. Yeah, um, yeah. And w- even within the context of the film, like, I brought up the armpit and the vagina. Um, mm-hmm. But also, the motion capture lights... Mm. Um, there's a, a great there's scene. a point in the near the end of the film where he's in the limo again, I believe, and there's all these lights that are on the window that look just like the motion capture lights. Mm. Ooh, nice. And um, you're kind of like, oh, is he like creating something different than reality here? Like, is he is he creating something emotionally? between these two characters and i think that it's right Mm. before he begins talking to his driver intimately that this scene with the window lights happens and it's it's like he's creating something separate from what he is responsible for Mm. yeah yeah maybe that's like the metaphor emotionally it's it's tough this is such Mm. a emotionally rich film because it is so performance dense yeah uh opening scene did you, did you get much out of that? What is the opening again? The opening is, I think it's a different guy, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah. looks different to me. If I remember correctly, that's like the director. He looks like the director. Yeah, um, I, I wasn't sure. The director but... gets in the vehicle and then becomes a, an actor. And then the actor gets out of the vehicle and begins performing. Yeah, yeah I guess that's right. He, Yeah, yeah. I guess I kind of forgot how the opening scene ended. Yeah goes out of like a hotel room through a wall into the theater and then we switch oh into so the limo cool. mode yeah, yeah breaking yeah. through a wall to oh it's great just good it stuff is... yeah I, I i did uh thank you for reminding um, me i totally forgot you know yeah it, uh you know opening scenes can uh can just suck you in right away you're like i, I was on board with even even as oh, yeah, i the didn't middle have an finger idea right as a way. key oh yeah yeah, yeah. i was nice just like touch this is pan's labyrinth let's go <laughs> yeah yeah uh that felt very cronenbergian to me when i think about like oh, video I drone. Del Toro. 
Oh, or yeah, yeah, or Del Toro. I think about Cronenberg. I think about like where body and like mechanics meet, yes. like the meeting of metal and flesh. Um, uh, so I was like, yeah, I'm on. I'm on board for this. Yeah, Del Toro. Um, Del Toro for me is maybe like spirit and flesh. Mm. So oh yeah, some yeah. somewhat of a similarity. Maybe a future episode where we do some Del Toro and Cronenberg. Oh, yeah. There you go. There you go. <laughs> Creature um, features. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I uh, one that like I feel like the words matter more than the rating for me, and just sort of like trying to tease it out. Um, the the rating's really just a reflection of like how much I got out of it this time, but like it could be a five next time. Like you know, that's where I feel like the the quantification kind of is irrelevant, and the words and the ideas are far more relevant as they are almost any time, but. specifically rich with this one like i think that if there was ever today a double screening feature that i wanted Mm. to recommend to someone today it would be under the skin and holy motors i I think that you could get something so visually and emotionally rich from interacting with these two films back to back and how opposite but similar they will be to one another like there's just something profound about their interactions to me in my head at least love it it's like one of my favorite exercises is just you know imagined double features yeah especially I happily participate especially for someone who like had never seen either of these before like just how cool it would be to be them which what would be uh what would be first up in the bill you gotta go with under the skin first. that's you just one. gotta start with start with scar joe be like why are we on a highway why is it dark are we in an underground mall what is happening oh god fire <laughs> whoa and you got him yeah i like it i think it's a two thumbs up or it's, it's i think it's drink, four thumbs from up. drinking the movies there you go four thumbs two people four thumbs um i, I guess finally mm. if you had to get married to a chimpanzee would it be that chimpanzee uh I think uh, it's a pretty promising candidate. Pretty, pretty promising. She's bad, dude. Yeah. No doubt. Smoking. Run! Go! Get to the chopper! We have to go. I'm coming with you. That was brilliant. You're the best and we love you! That exit makes as much sense as that film. Really <laughs> <laughs> no. people jump in there. <laughs> what? Chimpanzees? Uh, what? <laughs> That's exactly how I felt.